hey, we're so thankful that you're here today. If you're listening online throughout the week, we are so honored that you would spend time with us. And once again, I'll extend an invitation to you, just like we did earlier. I want you to know that there's a Vine Church family that is here waiting for you. As a matter of fact, we would love to meet you. We even have breakfast for you. So if you just want to come out at nine, hang out at 930 on a Sunday morning, we would love, love, love to do that. So today we're going to lay a little groundwork before we dive into the world. Today is going to be a foundational day for this brand new series we have called Chasing Carrots, because I believe that many of us are like that hamster on a wheel. As a matter of fact, right now, I was going to put me on a treadmill falling and, and probably making everyone laugh, but I feel like many of us today are like that carrot, that, that, that hamster chasing a carrot. So this series is called Chasing Carrots, because many of us today are on that wheel that hamster wheel chasing more. We're chasing more stuff, chasing more likes, chasing more friends, chasing more validation. We're chasing more money. We're chasing all of these things because we think we need more, right? Well, that's what we're going to do in this series is we're going to stop the endless pursuit of more. And today we're going to be talking about this idea that we all know of. Believe it or not, we probably looked on our phone and saw it earlier. And we're going to talk about this thing called trending trending. So here's the deal. Uh, if you know anything about me, I'm not against social media. So I want to go ahead and lay this out and lay the groundwork. Social media has some great things that are going on with it. As a matter of fact, I remember, yes, I'm old. Uh, I remember MySpace back in the day. I wasn't really big into MySpace, but when Facebook came out, I was in college and like, that was the big deal. Like I was one of those early adopters. I was all over Facebook. And as I've gotten older, I just don't do social media the way that I used to. But the thing that we all know, a familiar term is this thing called trending. And I've heard people say this, even in business world, if you're not trending, you're not winning. Like the idea and the goal of everything we do today in this social media driven world is to go viral, is to be trending in some way, shape or form. I mean, we have hashtags, we have, we have funny videos. As a matter of fact, we're so addicted to trending that it's so funny to me. Like we just scroll through our feeds all the time and, and we go and we say like, oh, a recipe. Ooh, a cute family photo, cat video, dog video. Oh, massive earthquake. Uh, scroll through, you keep going to the next thing and the next thing, right? So today I want to talk of this thing about trending because I want us to see kind of what's going on because in this world trying to be viral, maybe we're chasing more of something we don't need. Now, if we're in Christ Jesus, as we're chasing these more things, we know the obvious answer is Jesus is the only thing that satisfies us, right? Like we know that, but yet so many times we can spend our entire Christian life on that hamster wheel. Because we think we need more of a good thing. We think we need, need more people at church, need more prayer requests, need more children. We need more this, more that. And I'm going to tell you, that's not the life that Jesus died to give us. And so that's what we're going to be unpacking today. So there was a recent survey done in 2016. Harvard did a survey and talked about this thing called trending. So I want to talk to you about two age groups because I'm going to pick on two of them. I fall in one of them. I told you about my experience with social media. I was an early adopter. Now I'm just getting older. Uh, I was an early adopter when it came to that, when it came to Facebook and then everything else. I don't even know all the social media you can do right now. However, I just remember doing that. So they asked, they asked 10 to 12-year-olds in 2016 this question because their whole life has been social media. 10 to 12-year-olds in 2016, they don't know anything different than social media. That's just part of their everyday interaction. And they asked them what was their biggest goal in life. It wasn't to make the most money. 
It wasn't to, to, to win the Super Bowl or, or to win the NBA or, or win, a, win a Stanley Cup, win a title there, or to, be, to even be the best at what they do. It wasn't, it wasn't to have the most money in the bank. 10 to 12-year-olds said their number one goal in life was to be trending, to go viral. Now, we can go, that's so terrible, or we can see it as an opportunity because I think it's a great opportunity. We can see that this generation understands social media and how to leverage it that we may not. So we're going to look at it in a positive light. But now I want to talk to you about this age group that I fall in. Uh, I'm not at the lower end, so I want to make that clear. The next age group that I want to pick on in this study was the 22 to 37-year-olds, which were people like me in the upper 30s who came into social media in high school and college, or the 22-year-olds were in elementary school, I guess, if I'm doing my math right. They asked them this. They said, okay, well, now that we know that the 10 to 12-year-olds just want to trend, just want to go viral, what would you do to go viral and be trending? Now, here's some crazy, awesome answers. To, it, it showed that 50% of them said if their life was made into a movie, then they would be viral or trending. I just want to go ahead and tell you, if my life is a movie, it's going to be the most boring movie you probably, it'll be worse than Cats, speaking of trending, right? Like, it would be bad. It would be almost Avengers-like, but not quite Star Wars. I don't know. But it would be somewhere in between that. It would probably be pretty boring, even though those are great films. But it probably be pretty boring. But 50% of 22 to 37-year-olds said, if my life is a movie, then I'll be trending, which means I finally made it. I'll be trending, right? One in 12 of them would disown their family just to become a household name. Now, there are probably people right now that raise their hand up and disown their family, so I don't know what that means. But they would do that just to be trending, just so that people know their name, they would do that. One in nine would give up marriage just to be trending. And one in six would give up the opportunity and the ability to have children just to be trending. Is our search for more so much so that we would give up the very gifts that God's given us just to be a household name? Because I want to tell you, growing up, we had a 24-hour news cycle, right? I'm a CNN. I'm the CNN culture. CNN was the 24. It came about when I was here. Old Turner Broadcasting had the Braves, America's team at that time. And he went and started CNN down in Atlanta. And then you had a 24-hour news cycle. That was the first time you used to have the morning and the evening news. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like every hour. And in social media world, it's every 10 minutes there's something trending right it changes all the time but what's sad is people my age would be willing to just trend for 10 minutes and give up a very blessing that God's given us so I want to start laying the foundation really quickly before we even dive into the word about this thing that trending has done for us I started off talking about scrolling through your feed and I want to tell you what trending has done for us is it's overwhelmed us with information hasn't it hasn't it just overwhelmed like when we see tragedies, it doesn't hit us the way it used to. Now, I, I used to read the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I used to be cool. But I, I don't do that much anymore, right? But, like, I used to do that in college. That was something I enjoyed doing. Uh, and what I mean by that is there were news events had to wait to be printed before you could read about them. But now, literally, you can be seriously scrolling through. That's a, oh, man, that's a great Christmas recipe. Look at those Christmas decorations. What is that horse doing? How did that get on my feed? Oh, another earthquake over in Japan. Okay, yeah, oh, wildfire in Australia. Oh, that's so funny. Did you see what that cat just did? Like, it just doesn't hit us the way it used to. 
I mean, there used to be people that would rally around world hunger so much, you would have artists who would have a big concert and would, would, would call it Band-Aid or World Relief Aid. Like, I don't know if you remember those days where folks would come together and have this massive rally, and it wasn't Burning Man. Like, it was something more important. Like, it made a difference. But in this trending world, we're so overwhelmed with information, we've become desensitized to the very world we're called to reach. The other thing that it can do to us is it can make us lack personal interaction because we're not there. We get, have you, wildfires, for example, right now. Remember in California this summer, the wildfires were going absolutely nuts and everybody was all about it. Then all of a sudden, now we have them in all, all over Australia, so much so like Sydney has the worst air breathe, air pollution in the world right now, the worst air in the world because of it. But many of us are so desensitized and we're so far away from it just doesn't even show up on our radar anymore because it's something that is just easy to ignore because it's at a distance. Whereas before, we would be like, how in the world can we help those people? Which leads to the last thing that really this trending culture shows us. There's some hope in here today. I want to give the bad part out first, so hang in here with me. The last thing that this trending culture tells us is the truth about our sinful nature. It really just shows us how obsessed we are with ourselves, doesn't it? And so much so does, I mean, we, we have selfies, we have wealthies, where you take pictures of wealthy, like, you just want to get in front of a jet and act like it's yours, or in front of a photo, or in front of a beach, just to act like that's your beach house, like, do you want to just have this huge impact, have the most likes, have the most shares, and listen, listen, there's nothing wrong with having those things, there's really nothing wrong with trending, and what we're going to unpack in a little bit is what we can see how we can do that better, but social media literally was created for most of us to connect, but would we say we're more connected than ever before or are we more disconnected? Because we're so obsessed with ourselves. Really quickly, not going too much into the science, but social media and this wonderful handy dandy smart device that we use was created to make the reward center in our brain be excited when we use it. The dopamine that's released when we go onto that news feed, the dopamine that's released when this little light pops on on our phone is what makes it so addictive because the reward center in our brain literally treats us like Pavlov's dog, if you remember that experience. If you don't, it's not Schrodinger's cat, totally different one. Don't read that one. Read about Pavlov and the dog and the reward center that would happen when he rang the bell. That's what ends up happening. And the reason it's so addicted to us and social media was created this way is why we can open this phone and all of a sudden an hour has passed by and we've done nothing but scroll through a news feed. It's created to be addicting to us. And in it, what ends up happening is that dopamine just makes us want more and more and more. And so what ends up happening is when we're obsessed with ourselves, we just become more obsessed with ourselves. And the thing I want to unpack today for all of us is there's nothing wrong with trending at all. There's, not, there's actually nothing wrong with social media. I want to tell you right now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with social media. We try to leverage it as a church. It's a great tool to reach the world. We have folks, if you're on our eFam and you're our extended family and you're listening, thank you. We couldn't do it without social media. We couldn't do it without the interwebs. We couldn't do it without those things happening. And our interwebs is a little hamster running on a wheel. That's what makes everything happen here at the Vine, right? Like we couldn't do it without it. But what I want to talk about today with trending and the little bit of time that we have left together is the heart behind it is what makes all the difference. If we're obsessed with ourselves and making ourselves look good, then that's where we can get stuck. There's nothing wrong with trending. But today I want to talk to you about this one word, compassion. 
Compassion. Compassion is what we have to be rallying around if we're trying to be trending. Compassion. Compassion. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to spell it first, and then I'm going to completely butcher this. But I'm going to give you the Greek word for compassion that is used in what we're going to be talking about today. All right, so if you're taking notes really quickly, you can write this down. Then I'll show you where you can follow along with us on the Bible app and all that good stuff in just a second. But there, here's the Greek word. If you're taking notes and you want to write it down, SPL, SPL, AGC, HNI, Z-O-M-A-I. Now, who wants that word at a spelling bee? I'm going to say it one more time. S-P-L-A-G-C-C-H-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. We ready? I'm going to give it a shot. Splagnicomozi. Splagnicomozi is the Greek word of compassion that's used here. And I'm going to tell it to you, and you're going to chuckle a little bit, so this might be trending for the wrong reason here in a moment, but you're going to chuckle a little bit. What it literally means is to be moved in the bowels. No, don't go there or send me that emoji. What it's trying to point to is to be moved with compassion so much, the pit in your stomach, those Greeks, those crazy Greeks, the pit in your stomach compels you to do something. Like, if you've got... Well, we won't open that. You're going to be compelled with the first definition I gave you too. But really, that word is the Greek word that's used here that we're going to read about here in Luke. So today, we're just going to spend a little bit of time in Luke. I told you today it's foundational for the rest of the series that we're going to be walking through here with Chasing Carrots. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to be hanging out in Luke 8. Luke 8 and verse 40. If you don't have your Bible, uh, we would love to give you one for free. We have them in the garden free for the asking. Or you can follow along with us online uh, at the from the Bible app. And I want to show you how you can do that with us each and every week. If you'll download the Bible app from the app store, once you do that, what you're going to be able to do is open that up, click on the more tab. <clears throat> once you click on the more tab, click on events. Make sure your location services is on. <laughs> Once you do that, you're going to see the Vine TV worship experience. You're going to see today's message, Chasing Carrots Trending. You're going to see all the scripture we're going to walk through, a place that you can connect with us throughout the week, but also a place where you can take notes. And last but not least, I love our Vine production team because if you don't want to do any of that, they throw it up on the screen for us each and every week. So make sure we give them a hand because I'm thankful for them. They're behind the scenes. They're all embarrassed that I picked on them right now. But I'm thankful for them because they make me look pretty too. So it ain't, it ain't easy looking this pretty every day. It's because they have to make it happen. So if you got your Bible today, see, I'm consumed with myself. There we go. If you got your Bible today, we're going to be in Luke 8. And we're going to start in verse 40 in a familiar story that we know of, okay? So if you got your Bible today, Luke 8 Starting in verse 40, we're going to talk about this thing called compassion, not that other Greek word. No, we're not going to say that. So here we go. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. See, trending's not something that's new. Jesus was trending all the way through when he was going through walking in the ministry he had on this earth. He was trending. People were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. So it's kind of like a, a, a state representative. Let's say it that way. It's someone important. In the Senate, we won't say a pastor, we won't say even the mayor of a city, but someone very important, Jarius is a guy who would be trending in the culture at the time. So he goes to Jesus, who is trending for a different reason, and says, hey, come to my house. Verse 42 goes on to say, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, 
was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Have you ever been somewhere where the crowds almost crushed you? Like if you've been like, uh, I got to hang out at New York City not too long ago and like at Subway rush hour, as sardines, like you could get crushed. A Black Friday sale, you could get crushed. On Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to come in the vine, you can get crushed. You know what I mean? Because we got breakfast. I'm just, you can get crushed. Like if you've ever been to a concert or you've ever been anywhere, like I don't know if you've ever been in that, like I'm a fight or flight person and I'm a fighter. I'm not a, I'm not a flighter. And so like I'm ready to get out of that circle that I'm crushed in. But Jesus is trending so much. People are crushing him overwhelming him, and he's going to show us some things about compassion here that's awesome. And there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Now, this story is also told, and this account is also told in Mark 5, and it goes on to say that no one could heal her, and she had spent all of her livelihood just trying to stop bleeding, and the doctors couldn't stop. So she's got no money, she's got no possessions, She's given everything she can, and the more that she had would just to be a life to stop bleeding. She came up behind him, that's Jesus who she came up behind, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Isn't this crazy? Like, I think about how Jesus, how awesome Jesus is, and how he was even trending in his culture, but so much so, people are fighting to get to him just to be healed. And that's a picture of the church, isn't it? Like, I just love that picture. But we're gonna talk about how Jesus, what he's teaching us with compassion and what we can see through compassion here. Number one, if you're taking notes, compassion interrupts. It interrupts. Compassion interrupts. Like, I've shared my heart with this before and I've talked to you about compassion, but when I look at this woman, I think about how she interrupted what Jesus was doing because he was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, the, the daughter who was dead. Now, we're not going to complete this story today, but Jesus actually raises that little girl back to life, which is awesome. But at the same time, this woman comes up to him, and I imagine the town she's trending to. Here she goes with that miracle cure again. She's like, what is it this time? Is it going to be an oil? Is it going to be a brick thrown? Are you going to go wishing a well? Like, this woman was probably made fun of. And we're even seeing here, and we'll see even more, not even the disciples saw her coming. Like, I imagine she was pushing her way through the crowd because Jesus was her only hope, and I guarantee you people were pushing her away. Instead of seeing what Jesus wanted to do, they were so busy just trying to get to him and crush him just to take the picture to say, that hey I'm with Jesus look at this I got this autograph from Jesus I got this cool thing from Jesus like they were trying to rip something from him that they were missing the very miracle he was allowing them to be part of and like I said I love this picture because Christians that's a picture of the church we should make a way for people who need healing to come see Jesus not try to throw them away and push them away but compassion in our life will interrupt what we're doing because I know and you know Jesus knew she was there As a matter of fact, I could imagine Jesus is walking and he knew exactly when to stop so that she could just reach out and touch him. And immediately she's healed. So what does that mean for each and every one of us? Compassion's never convenient. Compassion is, it interrupts, but it's never convenient for us, is it? Speaking of inconvenience, this past week uh, I I went to go uh, get something ready for this Sunday uh, that involves some things here at the church and something I thought, take an hour. 
And what ended up happening is it took a lot longer than an hour. Uh, it took about five hours uh, because I didn't, I, I didn't know something had happened. Luckily, the police weren't involved. No, it didn't involve me. But hey, you never know, one day. But the police didn't need to be involved. But what ended up happening is it just felt like a long day. I felt like I had wasted my day. And I was like, Jesus, this is crazy. Like, this should have taken an hour. What in the world is going on? I was thanking him because some things were there. <laughs> things weren't missing. But on the, on the way home, I, I was able to do what I needed to do. And on the way home... Uh, my neighbor up the street uh, was trying to change a flat tire, and all they had was a tire jack. Excuse me, a tire iron. They just they had a tire iron. They didn't even have a jack. Uh, it's a couple I never met. I found out they're engaged to be married. And I'm on my way home, and I've had this long day, and it would have been so easy for me just to drive by, but the spirit was just like, go help them. As a matter of fact, I was on the phone and said, my goodness, they have a flat tire. I need to go help them. So I went in there, uh, went to my garage, grabbed a jack, grabbed a jack stand, and I'm not sharing this to build myself up. I'm telling you how the Holy Spirit works with compassion. And I go to meet this couple, and literally this guy, once we got his car jacked, it was on a hill. I've never seen anybody change a tire that fast. Like, this guy could have been on a NASCAR pit crew. He didn't have anything. Like, he just, boom, boom, like, uh, uh, 10 minutes. It took him 10 minutes once that thing. I mean, I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is awesome. And in that conversation, I got to have a conversation with him for about 20 minutes in that. And uh, what was crazy was they said this, and this is what broke my heart to the compassion interrupting and how many times I miss out on Jesus moving in my life because I'm not open to compassion and seeing that, that have the compassion he had for those around me. Uh, this couple's engaged to be married. She's late for work because, you know, flat tires don't schedule themselves with you, do they? So it's inconvenient. She was freaking out because she said, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. I can't be late. I'm going to lose my job. And he's trying to help her, and he doesn't have a jack anywhere and he's just trying to do anything I don't know what he thought he was going to do like lift the car on his own like I have no clue I'm sure he probably could have if he wanted to but we got there and he said this he said the entire neighborhood drove by me and of all people a white guy I've never met pulled over and helped me change my tire that's something I never expected and I was like man like I'm sitting there crying inviting him to church and I'm like this is awesome uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with church, but that's okay. Uh, the seed was planted, but the difference was I got to be a part of that, and through that interaction, I got to see compassion happen because not too long ago, my mother left with a flat tire, and another church changed her tire when I was here at Loadout. So I will tell you, compassion interrupts our schedule. It would have been so easy for me to think my day was wasted, but instead the Spirit said, go, go talk to these people. And I literally now have a conversation with someone I would have never met otherwise. But it also awakened me to the times that compassion can interrupt my schedule and the things that I would miss out on if I was just like, I'm just going to take a shower. They're going to figure it out. And instead, she got to go to work. And instead, she didn't have to stress about losing her job. And instead, she got her tire changed. And instead, I got to meet someone new. So I want us to see how God works through those interruptions, but I'm as guilty of it as anyone. We can get so busy and miss out on his divine interruptions more than we ever try. So I want you to know if you've got compassion, the compassion that Jesus is trying to teach us through this story is compassion interrupts. Now the story goes on in verse 45 and 46 to say it this way. And this, I love, I love, we've talked about this on Thursday nights. Jesus had a sense of humor. If you don't think he did, this is just evidence 100% he did. Because all of a sudden this woman heals him. People are crushed. It's kind of like, you know, you're going New Year's Eve in New York. Let's just put it that way. All these people are crushing you just to see this little glittery ball drop, right? And they're crushing you. And Jesus straight up turns around and says, who touched me? 
Who touched me? He asked the disciples. Like, I think that is the funniest thing in the world to me. Like, Mark's account, Peter goes even more in depth, and he's like, and we're going to read here in a second, but in Mark's account, Peter's just like, are you kidding me? All these people are around you, and you want to know who touched you? I'm sure it was me. Like, I don't know what in the world is going on. Well, it shows here in Luke's account, Jesus asked, who touched me? When they all denied it, of course, Peter knows about that. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Number two, if you're taking notes about compassion today, is compassion cost. So it'll interrupt you, and it's going to cost you something. When you have compassion in your life, it's going to cost you something because compassion, really, really, Jesus is showing us here. He knew that woman was going to be there. He knew today was going to be the day he was going to heal her. He also knew he was going to go to Jairus' house and raise that little girl from the dead. But instead, he had compassion on that woman, and he stopped in that moment so she can be healed. And he's showing right here, he's trying to teach the disciples, it's going to cost you something to have compassion. It's going to cost you something. When he said the power left him, come on, y'all, that's his sense of humor. That's Jesus. The power left him. He knew it wasn't that the power left him, that someone just got set free. It wasn't that the power had left him. He knew somebody had just got set free. And he's trying to show the disciples, hey, it'd be easy, easy, easy for us not to let compassion cost us anything. In this trending world, what does compassion cost? Let me give $5 to this, and that's all I got to do. I'm just going to donate $5 and move on. I'm just going to go, and I feel good about it. I get my little dopamine hit, and I don't have anything to do with anybody, and I just go do that. I'm guilty of it. We all are. But I want you to know compassion really cost us something. As a matter of fact, it's really good for us to, to have a feel-good story. As a matter of fact, Marketing, I've shared this before. If you ever want to sell anything, what I learned in my marketing and with that expensive receipt I have hanging on my wall, uh, one of the things I learned uh, was have a beach, a dog, and kids in a commercial, and you can sell anything. All three have to be in there. If, they, if they're not in there, you can't sell it. Like that is the traffic, that is the tear-jerking thing. Now, I would say uh, the ASPCA does well with dogs or animals now with the cats like crying. And I wonder if they're fake tears for the dog and the cat that goes in there. But like they do a good job of just animals. But if you look at Super Bowl, kind of look what it is. There's an interaction. You're going to see a dog. You're going to see an animal somewhere, a kid somewhere. I don't know if they do the beach as much anymore, but there's going to be something somewhere in there. So what I'm trying to tell you and the reason that I'm sharing that with each and every one of us is so many times those stories feel good to share. Nothing wrong with sharing it. My question is, do you have compassion about why you're sharing it? What's your heart behind it? Are you just trying to do it to show the world that you're a good person? Are you doing it to make a difference? Because compassion is going to cost you something. And the thing that I want you to know, it doesn't have to be money. Because the one thing that none of us can recreate that all of us have that we're on an equal playing field for is the 24 hours we have in a day. The president of the United States doesn't have more than 24 hours. I don't have more than 24 hours. You don't have more than 24 hours. The person in Australia right now that's battling a brush fire does not have more than 24 hours. As a matter of fact, we can't create it. We try to change times twice a year when we spring forward and we spring back and we fall back. But the thing is, I can't make 30 hours happen in a day by myself. And I don't think you can either. You want to affect someone with compassion, the thing that's going to cost you the most is your time. And that's the most valuable resource you have to offer anyone. Not the dollars in the bank account, 
not anything else. Does God bless us through that? Absolutely. But the one thing you can do to show compassion to someone is the time that you give them, meeting someone right where they are. That's why I'm thankful. We celebrated it last week. I'm thankful we had 93 people reach out online for help. As a matter of fact, this week, we've had 16 people reach out. It's just awesome to give someone the time and the compassion just to meet them right where they are. That's what Jesus was doing right here with this woman, meeting her right where she was, right where she was. It goes on to say this uh, in 47 and 48. This is my favorite part of this story. 47 and 48, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed. When you're in the presence of Jesus, you can't not be noticed. He's going to notice you. And you have a purpose, you have a calling, you have a name, you have a reason for being here. And everything that you do, I want you to know that God loves you. We're gonna see that even more in a moment, but God loves you. And there's a reason when you come into his presence, you won't go unnoticed. So all those times you pray and you think God doesn't hear you, trust me, you're not going unnoticed. That's where that woman was. She's probably been trying to chase it for 12 years and she's like that hamster on that wheel chasing that carrot, just going and going and going and trying this thing and trying that thing. And she's like, my only hope left is to get to this guy named Jesus. He makes sure she doesn't go unnoticed. And she came trembling and fell at his feet. I love what she does here. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now remember that word peace we talked about in our Star of Wonder series. Irene is the Greek word. I can say that one. And shalom is the Hebrew word for that. But it means he's telling her go in wholeness. No longer are you bleeding. No longer do you not have it all together. Go in wholeness, which leads to the third thing about compassion. Compassion changes lives. Compassion changes lives. As a matter of fact, look at that story. Compassion changes lives. Now this, this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years can share with the world how Jesus set her free. And she does it in front of everyone else. She woke up that morning and had no idea she would be trending. But when she came into the presence of Jesus, she started trending because she got to share her story and how she was set free and how she was healed. And so many times with compassion in our life, I hope that we can see that compassion changes lives. As a matter of fact, for all of us, I will tell it to you this way. Some of the most successful coaches and teachers I've ever had will say this. I learn more from my class than they'll ever learn from me. And I feel the same about each and every one of you at the Vine Church. I learn more about Jesus from all of you than you'll ever learn about him from me. Because that's what compassion is about. When we're passionate about something and we have the right heart behind it and we're pursuing Jesus together in it, we're going to see that, yes, it's going to interrupt us. It's not going to come on schedule and it's going to be something that seems inconvenient at times. We're going to see that it cost us something. We're going to see that we have to lay something aside, most importantly, time. And we're also going to see, though, that when we do that, that lives can be changed. And most of the time, it's the person that's willing to walk in obedience that never expected to be changed by it. Compassion changes lives. So for each and every one of us, I want us to see how important compassion is. So much so, I want to go on and tell you that this story ends with Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead as well. As a matter of fact, you can read it on your own time. It's an amazing story. They come back after Jesus heals this woman, and Jairus' family says, she's dead. There's no reason for you to come anymore. The little girl has passed away. And Jesus gets there and says, why are you wailing and weeping? We should be celebrating. Let, show me where the little girl is, and he raises her from the dead. 
But what I want you to see is this compassion go on forward through this guy named John. So if you got your Bible, we're going to flip to 1 John 3, 16 through 18. We know John 3, 16. No, this is the same guy, but it's in a little different. It's farther back in the book. So if you want to go to the back of your Bible, it's Revelation. And you want to just keep flipping left a little bit, and you'll run into John, okay? So 1 John 3, 16 through 18 tells us one more thing about compassion I want to share with you today. And it says this. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on him, how can, they love, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. The last thing I want to share with you about compassion is this. Compassion requires action. If we have compassion, we've got to do something about it. John's telling us right there, because we serve a Savior who had compassion for us and did something about it. We interrupted him in heaven, and he wasn't afraid to come down here in our sinful state and set us free. He came down here, lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, and loved us enough not to stay dead, so that he rose again on the third day so that we could have heaven on earth. We can experience wholeness now. We don't have to wait till eternity to have it. We can live that now. And for us to say that we have compassion about something and do nothing about it, man, that's why we are in the condition we are in in the church across the world. As so many churches have said they want to do something about it, I'm thankful at this church that we're willing to do something about it. And I want you to know today, compassion requires action from all of us. Does the retweet help? absolutely does the share help absolutely does the comment help absolutely but what about this spoke about this on Thursday as well what if somebody's on social media say Facebook today hopefully we don't get kicked off for that uh, Facebook today and they say I need prayer for something and if you ever notice that people's timeline just fills up with praying for you praying for you praying for you praying for you what if five days later we checked back with that person and said, hey, that thing we prayed about, how's that going? Because what ends up happening is we just scroll through the feed, don't we? I'm guilty of it. We just scroll through the feed. We don't think about it anymore. But you see, compassion requires action. What I mean by that is with the wildfires, everybody was all up in arms about California wildfires. And they gave their $10 donation to it. And those people are still devastated in Paradise Hill. Like, they're still devastated. It's been two years running that they've had wildfires going crazy. And now everybody's moved on to Australia. And they've got wildfires. Well, the thing is, those homes aren't rebuilt right away. That community is still walking through devastation. And what we get to do as the church is we get to come alongside people in the season they're in and walk with them through it because we are displaying the compassion that Jesus has for us. Because I want us to see, to say that we care about something but not actually act is to not care at all. To say we care about something and not put it to action is really not caring at all. It's just trying to trend. It's just trying to make a name for ourselves, not his name more famous. I love what John the Baptist said in John 3.30. He says it this way, he must become more or he must increase. I must become less. 
He must become more, as John 3.30. He must become more, and I must become less. So Christians, that's what we have to do to have compassion. He must become greater. The person that's fumbling for change at the grocery store, when you went there to get that $20 sale item, if the Spirit prompts you to go help them with that change, go do it. I promise you, you're going to be blessed from it. You're going to be blessed from it. You may not see it in the moment. That person that needs a, a spare tire change or needs a tire change, that struggling mom at the grocery store that's trying to wrangle her five kids in the pouring down rain just to get the groceries in the back seat of her car, maybe you help her put the groceries in the back seat of your car, in her, of her car. Not in your car, that'd be bad. But in her car, if she, uh, in her car, if she needs help, have compassion. Let the Spirit lead you in that. That's what was happening with Jesus and the disciples, and that's what he was teaching them about compassion is it's great to be trending it's great for everybody to say it's finally here ah, Christmas morning y'all like it's finally here trending but then the next day forget all about it but the heart behind it has to be compassion and so for us today as we wrap up I've got two things number one if you're a Christian during this message I'm going to be praying at the end for the names of people that Jesus is laying on your heart. Maybe you're not even going to meet them until you walk out this door today. But some of us right now, I believe, have some names that Jesus has placed on our heart that we need to have compassion for this week. And then I'm going to be praying that he tells you what he wants you to do about it. And I'm going to walk with you through it. And I want you to walk with, through it with me. I want all of us to be displaying compassion because, like I said, that woman, we have people who are bleeding and have people who are addicted to trying to be getting healed and they're searching for it in substances, they're searching for it in, in, on the internet with, with sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll. Like they're searching for it everywhere else, but we know the one source they can find it. And so church, we gotta have compassion for the community. We gotta get out there and connect them to Jesus because that's why we exist. We exist to connect people to, to, to the source that makes their life better, their community better, and the world around them better. We exist to connect them to Jesus Christ because he is the source of life. So at the end of the message, when we get through singing a song here in a moment, that's what I'm gonna pray for. But for others of you right now, I believe right now, especially if you're listening online or even in the house right now, you're for the first time seeing that Jesus is who he says he is. Maybe you realize you're that hamster on a wheel and, and maybe your compassion is something that's fleeting. Maybe you've never even heard of who Jesus is, but you see, man, like if he can take someone who's been bleeding for 12 years and can set them free and, and can make them healed. And if he can take someone who is dead and raise them back to life, maybe he can do something for me. And I want to tell you, we just read it in 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Christ Jesus died for us. He wasn't afraid to be interrupted in the heavenly realm to come down here to set us free. He knew 100% that it was going to cost him something. As a matter of fact, he knew it would cost him his life to give us life. He wasn't afraid of that. He wasn't afraid to see that even though he was interrupted and even though it was going to cost him something, he knew that lives would be changed eternally for it. And he got to a place where he could no longer sit in heaven and wait for it to be done. But at the appointed time, God said, go do something about it, son. Your bride should have life. The church should have life. You should have life. Those that are down there searching in sin and stuck in sin need to have a way. And Jesus loved us enough that he died for us. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I want to help you. If you want to declare Jesus as Savior of your life right now, I want to help you, and we're going to say a prayer. But it's not the words of this prayer that sets us free. 
It's the faith. Just like that woman whose faith made her whole, whose faith healed her, who was subject to bleeding for 12 years, it's not going to be the words of this prayer, but the faith that Jesus is our only hope, that he is who he says he is. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me because we pray as a family here for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserved on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may have life. Come take over my life. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And with every head bow and every eye closed, if for the first time you can say that you have declared Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, that you have come to the source of life, the source of hope, the only thing that can send you away whole, I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm going to count to three. If you're in the house and you can say for the first time you've done that, I'm going to ask you to respond. One, two, three. If that's you, If you're watching online, you're going to see a hand that's raised. I'm going to ask you to click that hand. If you're listening via podcast, please reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv or you can give us a call or text message at 864-580-6698 because we have a family who wants to walk with you step by step so that you can be exactly who you were created to be. You weren't created to be on that hamster wheel. You were created to be set free. And for everyone else, you can go ahead and look up. We're about to sing this song about no other love. And we're going to be singing of Jesus' love and compassion. And I want you to ask him in this moment as real as you can, would you just experience him like it was the first time? Everyone stand and let's sing.
into my father's arms. There's no too late, there's no too far. You're calling to me. Well, throughout this series, that's what we're going to be talking about, is that there is no other love than Jesus. We're all constantly going after more. We're all chasing more. And even those who have been set free in Christ, we can forget the freedom that he gives us, that, that he consumes all of our fear, that he sets us free, that his love is the one thing that we have been given to set us free, but it's also the one thing we get to share with the world. That's the most important thing. So over these next few weeks, we just talked about trending today. We're going to be talking about wealthy next week. Show up. I'm not giving you a prosperity gospel, I promise you, but I won't be beating you up or anything. Trust me on that. Outside of that, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about verified from that, and then we're going to be talking about follow back, if you know. No, not holla back, follow back. Different sermon, different story. So follow back. We're going to be walking through that through this series, and we're going to be singing and praising Jesus for the love that he has that set us free. So we're going to do what we do each and every week here at The Vine. Let's go ahead and lock it up. Let's pray as a family, and let's go about our week and live out this love that Jesus died to give us. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Today we learned a lot about your compassion, and maybe for the first time in a long time, Jesus, you've reminded us of your compassion You've reminded us to be moved so much in our spirit, to be moved so much from the depths of us that we can't sit still anymore, that we have to act. And Jesus, right now, we're about to step out into this world that is dying, that is dark, that is searching for more, that is trying to fill the void that only you can with everything their eye can see. And sometimes it can just be something that they feel like if they were just known, if they were just seen, then they could be set free. And Jesus, you see them. So I pray right now that you would open our eyes to see them this week. Today, 
I ask everyone, and you have asked everyone, you have placed names on hearts, and maybe someone doesn't have that name. Jesus, I pray their eyes would see that name when they walk out in this week, that person that you want your compassion and your love to shine through us to them. And Jesus, I pray that you would show us what it is that we should do. And through that, Jesus, you would do what only you could do. Jesus, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve to get to be here, but Lord, by your grace, you allow us to come each and every week. You allow us to go and be your light to the world. So I pray that that's what we would do. We love you, Jesus. We do this all for your glory, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Have an awesome week. We look forward to seeing you next week. You got a family that loves you. Come hang out with us, and remember, the best is still yet to come.